Welcome to this episode of Messy Can't Stop Her, the podcast where we share the stories of women's resilience through chaos, crisis, and the challenges of life. I am your host, Judith Cambia Obatusa, J.K.O. Self-care. On today's episode, this phrase, these two words, will be heard, will be discussed, and we'll learn new things about it. I have learned so much about the importance of self-care from previous episodes of Mexican Stopper. In particular, in the last three episodes of Mexican Stopper, Sonia shared how self-care practically saved her life and helped her to also save her son's life. So I thought it was something that we could look at because for someone like me, it is something I struggle with. Though the word self-care is commonly bandied around by support providers and caring friends and family, so many of us, including myself, struggle with it. If like me, you fall under many of us, know that this is the reality for many women across the globe and it did not start today. In fact, the Times Limited's year 2000 self-nurture survey reported that 80% of women recognize the value of self-nurture, yet only about 30% of that few care for themselves as they care for others. One would think that times have changed since 2000, but sadly, this is not so. According to a joint survey done by Healthy Women and Working Mother in 2015, 78% of moms report that they put off taking care of their own health because they were too busy looking after others. When these same moms were asked to rank the amount of time they spent taking care of others' needs, they put them in this order. Kids took the most time. So their children took the most time. Then pets. Then older relatives. Spouses or significant others. And then finally themselves. So mothers put themselves three places behind the family dog and cats. Can you imagine that? But this is the reality for many of us women. After everyone from the kids, the cats and dogs and the parakeets are handled, there's not that much left over for mom. In fact, a 2018 survey of 2,000 parents found that moms and dads on average get only 32 minutes of me time each day. <laughs> kind of seems high. 32 minutes is, is a lot. <laughs> but a study in Britain put that number at closer to 17 minutes. And that sounds more realistic if you look at yourself, your life as a mom and the lives of other moms that you know except if you now kind of struggle and grab your time for yourself, then maybe that 32 will be more realistic. 
Our experience during the pandemic raised the clarion call on the importance of self-care to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And that is why we are all talking about self-care and we're grabbing that time intentionally so that we can have that time for ourselves and get at least 32 minutes and above of self-care time. The Times Limited, a bath, body, and home fragrance product company, conducted the self-nurture survey of 1,000 women as part of Take Times for Yourself, a public awareness campaign which they created in partnership with Dr. Alice Domer, a leader on women's health issues who specializes in stress, infertility, and self-nurture. Dr. Doma actually authored the bestseller, Self-Nurture, Learning to Care for Yourself as Effectively as You Care for Others. The Self-Nurture survey also discovered that only 8% of mothers with one child say they find the time to spend 60 minutes throughout the day to care for themselves. So only eight out of a hundred mothers with one child is able to spare one hour out of 24 hours to care for themselves every day. And this includes time for bathing and and eating. That's one hour is all inclusive. With a second small child, that figure dropped from 8% to 4%. Imagine the percentage for mothers like me with four children. Ha, I guess it will be minus 4% or less, please. Mathematicians and statisticians, please help me out with this calculation. The World Health Organization defines self-care as the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote health, prevent disease, maintain health, and cope with illness and disability with or without the support of a healthcare provider. Three words stand out for me in the definition of the WHO. Promote, maintain, and cope. And when I think about them, promote speaks to me of the intellect, knowledge gathering, and sharing. It speaks to me of the mind. Maintain, the word maintain speaks to me of physical actions taken. And cope speaks to me of the emotions. Self-care encompasses the entirety of our being, our spirit, soul, and body, our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And in my, you know, looking around for if my thoughts were in line with scientific conversations around the globe. I found this definition by Dr. Mami Amselem, an American psychologist that buttressed my point. Dr. Amselem defined self-care as anything that you do for yourself that feels nourishing. And this can be psychological, physical, or emotional. So, my thoughts were correct. Despite the popularity of the self-care phrase and much talk about it, 
one of every five women surveyed, 20% of women submitted that even if they took just one hour off to do something for themselves, it will make them feel selfish, guilty, or anxious and unsettled. (laughs) Women with a single child were six times as likely to feel guilty about taking time for their own needs as women without children. Imagine that. And for people like us that have four children, oh my goodness, please don't let me calculate my guilt. (laughs) My guilt quotient (laughs) must be really high. The truth that I have learned from many of the guests that have come on Mercy Can't Stop Her is that self-care not prioritized leads to self-damage, especially where children are involved. And in fact, it's beyond self-damage, it's generational damage. Self-care is not selfish or self-indulgent. In fact, in fact, self-care is self-preservation. If you listen to Sonia's story in the last three episodes of Mexican Stopper, she spoke about how self-care basically saved her life, just like I said earlier on in this episode. For many years, people told me to take care of myself. So when people say take care of yourself, they're actually saying practice self-care. Put yourself first, not in a selfish way, but so that you can be equipped to give of yourself because you cannot be running on an empty tank. We have cars, we drive. Can we drive our car if the tank is empty? Oh, maybe it can go a little bit, then it will sputter and stop and the journey will be over. And for many of us women, we sputter and we stop with disease, with disability, with depression. But we don't have to wait till we sputter and stop before we take a moment to care for ourselves. It took me turning five decades on earth before I realized that I cannot enjoy the life I have if I do not care for myself. As a Christian, I recently learned that self-care is actually a spiritual injunction. It is a commandment from God. I found this in The book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 39. This popular verse is always used to advise us to care for others, but it is also a command to care for ourselves. Because if you don't care for yourself, you can't know how to care for others. In the message translation, Matthew 22 verse 39 says, love others as well as you love yourself. The truth is that your love for yourself 
determines your love for others. Many mothers sacrifice their lives on the altar of other care to the detriment of their own care. In Dr. Alice Domer's book, Self-Nurture, she writes, What women need is to learn how to nurture themselves. And the only way we can have fully formed selves is by granting ourselves the same tenderness and fierce protections that we otherwise reserve for a beloved child. That tenderness, that love, that care, that attention we give to our beloved children, if we could just turn it towards ourselves, then we will have wholeness in our lives and we will have happier, healthier lives. She believes that time must be set aside every day for relaxation techniques. She believes mothers need to take time every day to relax. She also recommends that we make affirmations a daily practice because they can help liberate us from negative self-images that serve as straight jackets, keeping us bound in the jails of our minds. See, the beauty of self-care is that it is different for everyone. It is different for everyone. So starting with self-reflection of our stressors and excitors, we can come up with a plan that will work for our individual lives. This is important because as we learned from the Thymes Self-Nurture Survey, having one child can be vastly different from having two children when it comes to the life that you have. Look at your life situation. Listen to your heart. Yeah, I always talk about listening to your heart because your heart is your guide. It is your God-given GPS to direct you on your life's journey. So take time to evaluate the situation of your life. And then listen to your heart and start with baby steps. In the show notes, I have included a link to some suggestions on how to start and maintain self-care. Maybe you will get one or two ideas that you could adapt to your own needs from that link. Another beauty of self-care apart from the fact that it is different for everyone, so you can customize it, personalize it to suit yourself and the life that you have, is that self-care is sweet when done in community. This is something that many women are beginning to practice more and more with yoga in the park hours, girl trips, mother's night outs, Sisters spa days, spiritual retreats, book clubs, and all of that. You can plan a hike, nail or hair care day, 
or just a movie night with one or more of your friends. Take time out to relax and do something that nourishes your spirit, your soul, and your body every day. Even if it's to take a moment alone for deep breathing. I just discovered that deep breathing helps our brains. I'm reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score. I'll share a little bit about that in another episode. It took me such a long time to start prioritizing my self-care. And even now, it's not so easy to break the mold of leaving myself out of the care equation. But when I realized the danger of not prioritizing my self-care and the trauma I have incubated and how that flows into the next generation through epigenetics, I am now an advocate. And when I think about epigenetics, something I recently learned about, it is terrifying to think about the impact our lack of self-care could have on the lives of the children for whose sake many of us sacrifice our self-care. Epigenetics is an emerging area of scientific research and it talks about how our experiences, especially hardships and traumas, can be passed down to our children, that is from generation to generation. The United States National Library of Medicine reports that several lifestyle factors have been identified that might modify epigenetic patterns. So they could modify it positively or negatively. These include diet, obesity, physical activity, tobacco smoking, alcohol consumption, environmental pollutants, psychological stress, and working on night shifts. My friends, my friends, even working on night shifts, something that seems so innocuous, something that is part of the life that you have could impact your generations. Some of the listed factors are responses to life's difficulties, smoking, alcohol, even drugs, addiction. This is why supporting our well-being through self-care cannot be overemphasized. We cannot talk enough about it. We cannot stop the clarion call to one another for self-care to be prioritized. Sometimes these conversations can be overwhelming, especially when we're in the trenches of life. So to help us in subsequent episodes of Messy Can't Stopper, we'll be listening to self-care experts on meditation, yoga, and other practices that we can employ in our homes and with our family and friends. I'll keep you updated on that. Why did I just kind of sound as if I just veered off the path of my domestic violence conversation? See, domestic violence is a trauma. And being intentional about our self-care is something that we cannot afford to take for granted. We cannot afford to pass down the trauma that we have experienced in our relationships to our generations. 
if we are normal, if we are healthy people, healthy in our minds and in our intellect and our psyche and our emotions to an extent, of course, we will know that we don't want to do that. We don't want to pass on negatives to our children and their children into the generations. And I'm speaking to all of us that are women in the trenches. Prioritizing self-care is something we have to do. It's a decision we have to make. It is space we have to create. And that's why I'll be sharing I'll be bringing experts in all these areas that can give us one or two tips that we can practice in our homes, in our spaces to help us with our self-care. They will be teaching us why it's important. They'll be teaching us things about these things so that we can help ourselves to be the best that we can so that we can be better in our other relationships. We show up better. We show up more whole. Self-care saves. Self-care is how we nurture our spirit, soul, and body to be able to thrive through life's challenges. If we remember to prioritize the practice of self-care, no matter what life throws at us, messy won't stop us. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Messy Can Stopper. See you next time.